Thanks, Timothy. Well, good morning. It is great to see you, uh, and I'm glad you're with us, especially if you're a guest here this morning. We're really glad. hope you feel welcome uh, and can be uh, honest about where you are if you're just checking out Christianity or if you're just checking out Christ Central. We're glad you're here. and We're closing our Become series this morning, uh, as has already been talked about by Evan and by Timothy, and this is uh, Commitment Sunday. And just let me reiterate, and I will again later, that uh, if you're a guest, we really don't want you to feel any pressure uh, to participate in this. Uh, we are glad you're here. We want you to receive. Uh, but uh, this is a big day for us in the life of Christ Central Church. And we have been praying and will continue to pray. And, and we are committing this morning to pray uh, for the gospel to go forth, for our church, for the city, for the world. We're, we're committing to giving our lives, our whole lives, for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom going forth. And we're committing our finances and as we seek to desire to become the church that God's calling us to be. And, and I want you to know, as we've been talking about Become for the past number of weeks, Become's not finished today. This initiative's not finished. In many ways, it's just starting. Because uh, we're going to continue to tell you stories of how people are taking steps of faith. We're going to try our best to communicate to you uh, and to keep you in the loop and how we're seeing progress in the initiatives of, of late leaders being raised up, of churches being planted, how we're investing in mercy and justice and the progress of seeking a permanent home. Uh, so today is not the end. We're going to keep you informed. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to commit and seek to become the church God wants us to be. Uh, this morning I'm preaching on our last core value. This whole series we've been preaching through our church's core values, our guiding principles uh, that really guide how we behave, who we are as a church. And this morning I'm preaching on this, the value of seeking a renewal movement. Seeking a renewal movement. We've been saying for some time this, this value is seeking the kingdom, but uh, landed on seeking a renewal movement because I think it's more clear, it's more to the point of what we mean, uh, that our hope and prayer is that God would work in such a way that God would use us to participate with him in deep renewal, revival, if you will, which becomes a movement beyond this one church so that other churches are planted, nonprofits and for-profits are being started by you, our people, by us as an institution, a movement that would go beyond our city to the greater triangle, to our country, and to the world. Uh, we want to be a church that really is seeking a renewal movement of God. Uh, there's a pastor in Melbourne, Australia named Mark Sayers that has been deeply influencing me over the past year. Sayers is brilliant in so many ways, but the thing that the Lord has used him to do in my heart of the past year is to give me hope for the gospel and hope for the church in our current cultural moment, specifically in the western part of the world. And many people like to point out that Christianity has been declining in the West, that it's been declining in the United States for the past few decades, that secularism defined as indifference to rejection or exclusion of religions has been shaping our culture for decades now, leading us to currently live in a post-Christian culture, a culture that has moved beyond seeing how Christianity and its values contribute to society. But I'm more and more convinced that we are in a swerve moment, a renewal moment, a moment in time where by God's presence and God's power, people are going to swerve back towards Jesus and towards the gospel. Now, historically, and this is generally speaking, the church 
has had renewal moments when there have been cultural crises and when the church has seemed to be at a low point. And in the past number of years, we have seen continuing crises which expose our cultural dysfunction. Corruption in the fields of Hollywood, in the fields of, uh, or within places like Silicon Valley, in, in our military, in big business, in politics, in sports, and even in the church. And these crises are not just on a macro level, it's happening on a micro and personal level. And some people have referred to our age as the age of genocide. These toxic behaviors of hatred and bigotry and racism. There's a rise of anxiety, a rise of mental health disorders, the epidemic of loneliness and social disconnection, the widespread reality of online bullying, the rise in addiction to drugs and food and gambling and sex. Obesity is rising and is a major health issue. And as a result, more and more people in our culture are realizing that secularism with its view of the autonomous self and the rejection of faith and religion, it's not producing what it was expected to produce. And James Burns in his study on renewals or revivals notes this, that the time of spiritual deadness has its definite limits. The wave of spiritual progress recedes, but in receding, it is gathering in power and volume to return and to rush further in. God has set a limit to the defection of his church. And when the night is at its darkest, the dawn is on the way. As though we are standing on the shoreline of the ocean and the human eye sees that the tide has retreated. Christianity has been declining. But out beyond the breakers, the power is growing, is churning in hiddenness, preparing to return with force. Now, I'm not just preaching and speaking of preacher speak here. I really do believe that the force and power of a renewal movement is on its way. And so this morning, I want to look at a passage in the book of Acts and ask the question, what does renewal look like? So we're going to look at Acts chapter 8 verses 4 to 25, and if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we give attention to God's Word together this morning. This is Acts chapter 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after believing, uh, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but... They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray together. Lord God, I, I do pray that you would speak to us this morning. That Holy Spirit, you would infuse with power the living word of God that I just read. That you would bring it to bear on our minds. That you would bring it to bear upon our hearts. That our lives would be transformed. Speak to us, Lord, we need to hear from you. So I pray that the words of my mouth I pray that the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, Charles Simeon was a pastor in Cambridge, England at a church called Trinity Church in the 18th century. Christianity in Cambridge during the 18th century was not at its height like many might assume. Uh, maybe you envision 1700s England and Christendom at its height, but Christianity was at, a, was at a low point. So low that Cambridge theology professors taught their classes drunk. The city of Cambridge was a war zone. Uh, there was great conflict. Hundreds of students were killed. Charles Simeon tells stories of preparing and writing sermons while people were outside his window loudly having sex. Simeon was in a cultural moment somewhat similar to ours. Christianity at a low, the view of self at its height. And Simeon began to experience deep personal renewal in his own life. And he grew in zeal for the Lord and zeal for the work of the Lord. And it was actually too much for many people. Two-thirds of his church tried to lock him out, tried to send him away. But he began to preach the word of God with great fervor and power. He started ministry in homes which is where we get small groups and homes. That's from Simeon. He started a Friday night service for college students. And as a result, Trinity Church began to change. The whole church impacted by the fire burning within Charles Simeon. Now, I use Simeon because he was in a cultural moment somewhat similar to ours today. And renewal began in him. And then it spread to the corporate body of Trinity Church. And then beyond Trinity a movement began. And we might be tempted to look around at our culture and our society today and think there's little hope for seeking a renewal, mov a, a renewal movement, but I believe, genuinely believe there's great hope and there's great power in the gospel of Jesus. And renewal is what's happening in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. Before I jump into Acts chapter 8, I've got to mention what happened in Acts chapter 1. It is the impetus to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, comes down on the church, comes down in power, and a movement begins through the church, starting in Jerusalem to Judea to now in Samaria in Acts chapter 8, 
and will be to the ends of the earth. So we need to hear this. We've got to start here. For true renewal, for a, a renewal movement to happen, God's presence must come down like it did in the Old Testament when the presence and the glory of God came down by a cloud by day and a fiery pillar at night and led God's people. As God's power and glory and presence came down in the tabernacle and in the temple like it did in the New Testament in Acts chapter 1, God's presence in the person of the Holy Spirit, must come down on us, Christ Central Church. Must give us an experience of Jesus and his work and presence with us. We have to pray, Isaiah 64, verse 1. Rend the heavens and come down. Lord, may the glory and the presence of the Lord rest on us. In Acts chapter 8, I want us to look at three things about a renewal movement. We're going to look at the picture of a renewal movement, the dangers of a renewal movement, and lastly, the result of a renewal movement. Let's look first at the picture of a renewal movement. Verse 4, it says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word of God. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ. The church was scattered because it was experiencing cultural persecution. And as the Christians were scattered, they went about preaching the word of God. And our passage really focuses on Philip, who was one of the seven appointed in Acts chapter 6 to care for the widow and to care for the needy. And Philip goes to Samaria preaching the word of God, proclaiming Christ. And when we hear preach the word of God, I think most of us probably envision a preacher behind a pulpit, right? what I'm doing right now. But that's not what's meant by preaching the word of God. The Greek is not preaching. The Greek here is the word for gospel, gospeling. It's the word evangel where we get evangelist or witness. Witnessing, gospeling. And notice again that it says those who were scattered went about preaching the word of God, that Philip was not unique. They were all proclaiming Christ. Every single one of them was witnessing. Everyone was seeking to make Jesus clear to those who were unclear about Jesus. The early church was experiencing renewal because every member was a witness to Jesus by the words that they were speaking about Christ and the lives that they were living. Yale historian Chris, uh, Kenneth Scott Latterette wrote this, the chief agents in the expansion of Christianity appear not to have been those who made it a profession, but men and women who carried on their livelihood in some secular manner and spoke their faith to those they met in this natural fashion. The expansion of the early church did not depend on the apostles, but on ordinary men and women who would witness the gospel of Jesus to those that God had placed around them. And it continues today. This is how it continues today. A renewal movement happens when men and women encounter the presence of God and then long for others to know the presence of God that comes through faith in the person and the work of Jesus. I heard a pastor tell a story of meeting with a guy and his congregation, uh, and the guy said he really didn't like the idea of sharing his faith with other people. Uh, maybe he had been harmed by somebody or hurt in some way and, or the pressures he felt in that. But, and the pastor said, you know, you don't have to share your faith for God to love you. And the guy left and 
A few weeks went by, and the pastor heard several people talking about this guy, and they were like, man, what got into him? He is sharing the gospel with everybody he comes into contact with. And the pastor finally caught up with him, and, and he asked him, what's up? And the guy said, well, when I heard that God loves me, even if I don't share my faith, I just had to tell people about him. You see, when we understand just how high and wide and long and deep is the love of God to us in Jesus, when we experience his love, renewal happens in our hearts, and we will want to share the love of Christ with others. Now look at me with, in verse 6, Acts 8. It says that the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. you got to catch this. The power of Philip's words and the power of his deeds enabled him to get the attention of the crowd so that he then could tell people about Jesus. I want you to think with me for a moment about where God has placed you, where you live, the job you have, the friends, the people he's given you favor with. I want you to think about your story the many ups and downs of your story, how you've been shaped by it. I want you to think about your passions and your gifts. God has done all of this in your life so that through your words and through the way you live, you might get attention of those around you, that you might get attention of the crowd and then speak to them about Jesus. Does your life get the attention of those around you? And are you speaking about the hope and love that is offered in Jesus? A renewal movement is happening when everyone, not just the pastors, everyone is moved by God's Spirit to make Christ clear to those who are unclear. Now, it's not just witnessing about Jesus that a renewal movement is, a, is uh, happening. A renewal movement is happening we see here in Acts chapter 8 when Jesus is preached across dividing lines. You've got to understand what's happening here. Uh, to understand it fully, we really need to understand the place that Philip goes. He goes to Samaria. And Samaria, we learn about it in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, and, and how Samaria would be impacted in 2 Kings chapter 17 uh, as a result of the Assyrian exile. Now, not to go into too much historical detail but Samaria was part of the northern kingdom when Israel split into the north and the south. Samaria was the land between Jerusalem and Galilee. And Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were thought to be half-breeds because they had a form of, a worship, of worship of Yahweh, of God, and they mixed their own gods with it. And so Jews, when traveling to Jerusalem, would go around Samaria instead of going through Samaria. And Philip goes against the taboo and travels to this no-go zone. To a people who were despised, a people who were half-breeds, a people that others avoided. In 1864, Father Damien was ordained a priest on the island of Hawaii. And a great number of those on the island began to get sick. Over 800 of them uh, contracted leprosy, around 8,000 would contract leprosy over a few decades. And leprosy at this point was thought to be highly contagious. And so the government put the lepers on a peninsula, quarantining them from the rest of everybody else. It was a definite no-go zone. 
And Father Damien felt a call to move to this peninsula to start a church and not to act just as a priest, but as a nurse and a doctor to clean the wounds and to care for those that were dying. Six months after his arrival, Father Damien wrote a letter to his brother, and he said this, I make myself a leper with the lepers to gain all of them to Jesus Christ. Now, 16 years later, Father Damien contracted leprosy and would die. Being a man who gave his life serving, ministering, and loving those who were in a no-go zone to a people who were completely ostracized. So willingness to go beyond dividing lines is a sure sign of renewal. And we don't have to go back 150 years to Hawaii to look at no-go zones. You can look back 50 years in our own city and see the dividing lines of race were very clear. We were worshiping in the historic Haytai Heritage Center. Many of you know this already, but the Haytai community was a booming and thriving black-owned business district. In North Carolina 147, which many of you maybe drove in on this morning, was purposely built in 1970 to divide the Haytai district, to separate it from the rest of downtown. It's very much uh, a, a move to divide by race. But race isn't the only dividing line in Durham in our country. Timothy mentioned a number of them a few weeks ago when he, he preached. It's not just racism. We're, we're divided by classism and we're divided by tribalism. Everybody in here can fall into a me versus them mentality. People who are like me versus people that are different than me. And gospel renewal looks like loving, serving, and sharing the love of grace of the Lord Jesus across dividing lines. Are you willing to love people that look different than you, think different than you, vote different than you? In verse 14, Peter and John come into Samaria, and they pray that the Holy Spirit will come down on Samaria, and something quite profound is happening here, is that God is bringing these despised Samaritans, not just into the edges of the Jesus community, but into the very center of Jesus' community. You see, renewal is God uniting people who've been divided, and it's when people who've been marginalized and avoided are brought not just to the edges of the church, but into the central life of the church. This is the picture of a renewal movement. Second thing I want us to look at is the potential dangers of seeking a renewal movement. Simon, in Acts chapter 8, is this magician with incredible power. Verse 10 says, this man is the power of God that is called great. Uh, many scholars think that people look to Simon as deity. But when Philip arrives, Simon sees something in Philip that he doesn't possess. And verse 13 says that Simon believed and was baptized. Now, this passage is debated by many around the question of, did, well, did Simon really believe? Did, did Simon have true faith in Jesus? And uh, I believe that the passage ultimately reveals, we don't have time to get into it, that Simon wasn't truly converted, that, that his faith was not genuine. And I don't think the point of the passage is the ultimate fate or faith of Simon. Uh, I think Simon is highlighted, though, for a purpose. And I think one of the purposes Simon has highlighted is to warn us of potential dangers in seeking a renewal movement. And I'm going to point out two. The first is that people can be attracted to movements, even spiritual movements, to be around a single leader or a single person. That movements can be built around a person or a personality. Now, God was using Philip, and God was blessing the ministry of Philip in verse 13 
It says that Simon is amazed by Philip. Simon follows Philip, not because of genuine conversion and faith in Christ, but because Philip's the man, and he wanted to be around the man. We have to be aware that some are going to be drawn to movements, not because they come to know Jesus, but because they want to be a part of something great. That people can be attracted to the wrong person, a dynamic personality, a dynamic leader, rather than the person of Jesus. There are movements all around the world where people follow great leaders, and these movements are not of God. A renewal movement of God is not based on a single personality or the gifts of a single person. So let us be careful to be amazed at the wrong person. Let our amazement be at what Jesus did, is doing, and has promised to do. Let us be amazed that King Jesus lived, died, rose, and has promised to come again. There's a second danger of seeking a renewal movement, is that people can want the gifts of God more than they want God himself. Look at Simon in verse 19. Simon says, give me this power, the laying on of hands and the Holy Spirit coming. And Simon offers to purchase this power. Simon wants to be able to buy the power to lay hands and send down the Holy Spirit. If you've ever heard the word simony, this is where we get the word. It's the attempt to buy spiritual office or spiritual power and status. We have to be very careful not to be attracted to what God can do for us more than we are attracted to who God is. God does not promise money. He doesn't promise status. He doesn't promise material blessings in this life. He doesn't promise that our circumstances will all work out the way we want them to work out. He does promise that by faith in Christ, we receive every spiritual blessing. That by faith in Jesus, the unending grace the steadfast love of God, the peace of God that transcends our understanding is given to us and it's never for sale. We cannot purchase it. It is gifted to us. So in a renewal movement, the people of God long for the presence of God more than the gifts of God. The last thing I want us to look at is the result of a renewal movement. Not just the picture of or the dangers in seeking a renewal movement, the result of a renewal movement. Look at verse 8. Verse 8, it's pretty simple. It says, so there was much joy in that city. That renewal brought joy to the whole city as many believed and were baptized. That this city was blessed, as we sang earlier. This city was changed as a result of this movement of God. Luke didn't say a few people received joy or a few people were changed, but the city was filled with joy. I have to ask, as I did last week. Do we pray for our city? Do we truly contend for God to work in this place he's put us? Do we seek the welfare and the good of our city? I, I know we don't always. I don't always. But when God sends his presence on us personally, each person begins to be renewed. And each person begins to hunger for more of God in their lives for more encounters with Jesus, for more of God's power to work through our lives because renewal always starts personal and it becomes corporate. And it's a movement that exists not just for our city, but beyond. In verse 25, our passage ends, and this is how you know what happened in Samaria was a movement. 
They returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages. It was moving out from Samaria to the ends of the earth. So Christ Central, may God's presence truly come down on us. May the spirit of the living Christ reign in us so that we are sent out to preach and to witness about Jesus through our words and through our lives. May we become a church where each of you are so amazed at Jesus and his kingdom that you step out in faith to start a for-profit or a non-profit, that we would love our city so that Christ is made clear to those who are unclear, so that those who are on the margins can be brought into the very center of our community. May we become a church where we see other churches started, 501c3 started, and, and we exist for not just our city, but beyond, for the glory of God and for him alone. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would do what only you can do. Can't make, make any of this happen. We can't manufacture it. So I pray that you would rend the heavens and come down, God, that your spirit would, would fall and fill us and empower us that the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ would, would lead and guide and that we would be united to Christ and all the blessings we have in, in you, Jesus, that the, the love of God would be tangible to us, the grace that we don't often believe, the forgiveness that is ours, the peace that comes from Christ would rule our minds and our hearts, the love that will never let us go, a love that is rich and free, Lord, we don't want to just say it. We don't want to just think about it. We want to experience it. So may your spirit press it upon our spirits that it is real to us. Thank you that you've been with us. Pray you continue to pour yourself out in Jesus' name. Amen.